Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're on a roll this week. Had a great show for you yesterday with Coach Harvey Hyde and Dr. Art Bartner, the director of the USC Trojan Marching Band, for going on to his 50th football season. Today, we're gonna, we have Keely Yore in studio. We've got Dan Weber on the line. We're going to talk about the strength and conditioning program. Dan Weber had a one-on-one sit-down with Aaron Osmus, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about our conversation with Dr. Bartner, Matt Fink, transferring to Illinois, bunch of your questions, so a lot to get to here on the podcast today. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com. We love to get your ideas in the offseason. Send us an email, let us know who you want the question to go to, and we will do our best to discuss it right on the air. You can also call or text your questions in 424 254 9141 is the number. We love your texts. We love your voicemails. Send them in. We got a voicemail for you today. I think we got a text or two, some emails, all that stuff to get to today. But first, we got Keely Yore in studio joining us. What's up, Keely? How hello, are you? hello. Sorry, I cut you off there. <laughs> no, that's good. I always say, like, what's up? How are you? That's two different questions, and I say that all the time. So I don't. What's up? Nothing much and good. So nice. I answer both of them. <laughs> Keely's there. We got Dan Weber on the line uh, via Skype. Uh, we should. We need a celebrity hotline sponsor or something. But true, uh, Dan. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Had had a good day at USC yesterday. Getting to talk to to Aaron and uh, and Dr. Bartner. That was uh, terrific. Dr. Bartner is just uh, he uh, he's seen so much and he so reflects how good USC can be with the right people doing the right things. I mean. Uh, it was really wonderful conversation in terms of of seeing USC for for all the possibilities that are there, which is what Art Bartner did his whole career. Yeah, hundred percent. We're going to get into some of that of our conversation. It was fascinating. Uh, it was really fun to be able to sit down and chat with a, a real life USC legend. And you know, basically, you took something you had. Uh, like Prairie Views football program, and he turned it into Alabama. And it's been going, you know, it's like insane what he was able to do. Before we jump in to talk about all that stuff, wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. It's funny, Dan, coming back from USC yesterday, I, you know, sent a text to my wife, like, hey, what do you need from Trader Joe's? And she's like, oh, I already went to Trader Joe's today. So, well, I got to go too. So we both went to Trader Joe's yeah. <laughs> yesterday. It's just sort of our thing. We just go and we pick up some food. Uh, she made a, uh, Salmon and uh, a broccoli thing over rice last night. All the stuff from Trader Joe's, and I picked up. I just like the the almond uh, granola, almond butter granola. I mix it with some of their banana or strawberry yogurt, uh, and uh, and I you know slice up some banana in there, and that's kind of like my breakfast cereal after uh, working out and stuff. But we love Trader Joe's. I take my big USC bags in there that you guys all love and enjoy. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And it's great that they've been part of the show for the last couple of years. So shout out to Trader Joe's. Uh, thanks to them. And I know you're a big fan too, Dan. Yeah, that sounds like uh, uh, one of my favorite breakfasts. Uh, so uh, you're, I don't think we've ever talked about it, but yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I love the, that combination. Uh, it just really works well. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into. So if you haven't listened to the show yet, get, make sure you go check it out. It should be in this 
same podcast feed that you're listening to right now. So uh, it was Dr. Artner, Dr. Dr. Artner, Dr. <laughs> Arthur C. Bartner uh, going into his 50th football season as the uh, band director. He's planning to retire, so he'll do the entire 2019 season. They're still trying to figure out 2020. He'll probably end up just doing the home games and, uh, you know, the, whatever the secession plan is and all that. So, but it was pretty amazing to learn the stories and for him coming out of the gate, talking about Marv goo, the, you know, the fiery USC football assistant that was really helping to shape the direction of the band and all that. And he had another job offer that he just kind of ignored for a while. Cause he really wanted the USC one to come through. So it was sort of a crazy time. But back in 1970, Dan, uh, it was really amazing. Uh, he was 30 years old when he took over. He's, I think he's turning 80 this year or next year. So it's uh, it was pretty incredible conversation. I hope, hope you guys all enjoy listening to it. But I, I came away from it just awed. Well, you know, I think it's easy to assume that uh, the USC band has always been the USC band. I mean, here you are, you know, the... the the Hollywood school where, you know, a lot of the movie stars went to school and the entertainment business uh, was always, you know, kind of involved with USC. And uh, and a lot of USC people went on to be, you know, to star in, you know, in Hollywood. And, and, and celebrities, you know, are, are kind of a thing that happens on this campus. And when he was telling us, like, the first band that he, you know, had the, uh, I mean... <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, I think he said his first band camp, he had 55 people. He said, we had 120 in my high school band uh, <laughs> you know, that he was conducting in, uh, in, in Michigan. Uh, and so things that, you know, I mean, and, and he went over his budget, his first budget, $15,000, $5,000 for Traveler, $5,000 for the Song Girls, and $5,000 for the rest of the whole band. And uh, just little details like, Trailer was on his own. Trailer could come and go, and whatever he wanted to do, he was, you know, I mean, just all the things that he had to get his hands on, um, you know, when he got to USC. And the way his gratitude for somebody like Mark, Marv Goo telling him, this is what we need you to be. We need you to be a part of the football program. We need us all to be together. We need you to be, you know, kind of tough guys. We need you to be, uh, you know, physical and, and and really go out there and compete and uh, they put you know they made the jock rally kind of the you know the thing that it has become since then and uh they just all grew together because right after you know dr art got here they uh they were winning uh you know won, won a couple of national championships in 72 and 74 which he as he said that really helped <laughs> And uh, I think the other thing, it, it sounded so good, was that he talked about how starstruck he was, and he was in the perfect place for it, and what it was like to have, you know, Diana Ross at the uh, 73 uh, Rose Bowl, and, you know, what a big deal, you know, that was, and then always, we, you know, you talk about Tusk and Fleetwood Mac, but uh, he's as excited and having as much fun now as as it sounded like he was in, in 1970, really an amazing, amazing, uh, uh, you know, story. And, uh, and it wasn't something that USC just gave him all this, you know, ability to do stuff. He had to figure out how to do it himself and how to get out of the basement of the barracks and, you know, find places to practice and all the things that, you know, that they've needed to do and that they've done. But, uh, uh, one of the great success stories, maybe, 
more so than anyone you can think about at USC in the last half century. I, I don't know that there's anybody who, you know, has embraced, uh, you know, what it means to be, you know, to fight on and be the Trojan family and had the kind of success that, uh, that Dr. Bartner has had. It is pretty crazy. And it was a, a pretty long sit down with Dr. Bartner and we didn't want to like take up too much of his time. And you're in, so we're in King hall and we didn't, I feel like I didn't get to set it up as enough. I didn't even like say, Hey, Dan Weber's here too. We just both are like peppering him with questions, but they're in King hall. They used to be in the basement of some terrible building before. And he pleaded to uh, Max Nikias about getting, uh, you know, the pre- the former president about, you know, getting a better space. And they do, it's where the old credit union used to be in King hall. And it's really nice. He's got this awesome office that he said he never sits at his desk. He's always in his, there's like a table with a TV and speakers and stuff. That's where they like, you know, it's like their little war room where they analyze what's going on with the band and everything. So that kind of insight stuff was and, pretty cool. And he has windows. He's yes. so excited. He's not in a, a, a you know, a closed in basement anymore. It's like, you know, if you're going to be in California, you probably ought to hope you get windows uh, so you can look outside. Yeah, for sure. And then when, you know, we talked about, uh, I, I brought up some of my favorite things that I think we brought up with India on the, the Tunnel Vision show, like the the Stanford countermarch. I like that a lot. The the Heartbreaker one. But of course, Tusk is like, and he was saying it's kind of like their fourth fight song, you know, where it's like the fourth main thing that you play all the time. And he, when the conversation, when we were done, now Dan still took notes. He'll, he'll probably be in his column, but, um, you know, he was saying, oh, I thought you guys asked more about how tusk came to be and all that stuff and it's like yeah man we didn't even like we talked about it but we didn't really get into like the origin story and and how he would be talking about like oh nick fleetwood is a big was a big fan of the band but this this person wasn't as much or whatever. like he was talking about the members of the band yeah. and how they the fleetwood mac band and how they got involved with usc and he he was listening was it he was listening on the radio one day and he heard like yeah, that i thought that was the most amazing yeah. thing he told us like he didn't time. know this was going to happen and he's listening to the radio and it says uh, you know, now here's the, the newest hit from Fleetwood Mac featuring the USC Trojan marching band. And he's the band director driving his car like, what? <laughs> so, it was pretty crazy. No, they just, uh, it was just one of those things that they did. And I guess uh, uh, they really wanted the drum, I think that drum kind of sound on, on Tusk. And, and I don't think they knew where to where to exactly find it. And their manager by, by luck, was uh, a USC law school graduate named Mickey Shapiro. And he just said, well, you know, why not try the, try the USC band? And uh, so they did, and, uh, and the rest is history. But, uh, you know, those are, and those are the kinds of things I think they're hoping maybe to revisit this year in his 50th year uh, to bring some of those people back, the original people, uh, maybe for games, and then bring them all back. They're going to have uh, what sounds like an unbelievable concert in April, which will be the final uh, big official blowout of, of Dr. Bartner's career uh, on, on Cromwell Field, where they practice. And it's going to, you know, have a lot of those, uh, a lot of those original stars and uh, fireworks and the whole deal. It sounds like something we all ought to be uh, planning for. Yeah, for sure. I think I would definitely recommend going in and listening to it. I know it's our show, but <laughs> it was a really interesting conversation how he changed the band from a, you know, 50 something people to over 300 and why they had, you know, how the uniforms come to be and the, um, you know, they wear sunglasses and all this, like, all you know, the 
the, they became California cool. You know, they became Hollywood's band. And a lot of that was his vision for it and playing modern songs where he came from, you know, he was in the Michigan band, much more traditional, much more. They would never play stuff like that. Integrating women into the band, something he did right away. Now it's about a 50, 50 split. And of course, India Anderson, uh, talking about her being the first uh, drum major. So lots of good stuff uh, you can unpack in that uh, episode. So make sure you check it out. It went up on Monday, uh, May 6th. But before that, Dan, before we sat down with Dr. Bartner, which was great, you had to sit down uh, with USC strength and conditioning coach Aaron Ausmus. So I wanted to, to hear how that uh, went. Well, it was interesting. Aaron was sitting in his office right off of the, uh, you know, the weight room. Uh, with the big glass windows, and he m- reminded me, he said, you know how cool this is? I'm getting to to sit in and work in the office in the weight room that I kind of designed over a couple of years. And he said, here we were. We won 10 games in uh, 2013. And he said, I'm getting calls from all my, you know, strength and conditioning buddies all over the country who the ones who won 10 games, they were all getting raises and whatever. And he said, here I was packing my office to leave. And he said, that's just what happens when they, uh, you know, they change, uh, change coaching staff. They, you know, bring in their own people. So he said his wife was, uh, his wife, Misty, was helping him pack to leave after a 10-win season. And uh, he said, uh, she told me, you're going to be back. I just have a feeling someday you're going to get back here. And now he's back. And he said he never left. Uh, now, he had moved a lot. He, he came from Tennessee where he was an All-American shot putter. And, you know, he worked with Chris Carlisle there and then came to USC. He went to Idaho with Nick Holt where he got to be in charge and then went to Ole Miss with Ed Orgeron, went to Tennessee again with Lane Kiffin. So he moved around a lot, and he said by the time they got to Redondo Beach, uh, they decided, you know, it was a good place for their, their boys, and uh, they were just going to figure out, you know, and he ended up working for this, you know, kind of state-of-the-art uh, weightlifting uh, company, Sorenex, but, uh, but is just thrilled to death that he's getting a, a chance to, to really work in the weight room. That He said it took him about two years to, to do all the, uh, you know, surveys with, you know, every, all the involved athletes and all the coaches and things like that to get the weight room the way they wanted it. And, uh, so he said, put in a lot of work, uh, getting it where it is. Now he's getting to, to really do a lot of, you know, work back in uh, his weight room. Yeah. What I remember my conversation with Chris Carlisle in the old weight room in that stupid little bloom broom closet or whatever, <laughs> like hopefully he has a, a much nicer office. Uh, now, Dan, Aaron Osmus does. It's a, uh, it's a much nicer all. It's really nice. You can sit there. And he was working with uh, Chase Williams when he came in and uh, just a one-on-one. This is kind of a, a you know, finals week and all of that. And uh, they'll come back uh, May 15th when they'll restart. Uh, but guys come in on their own. And then um, June 6th, uh, it's, they're allowed eight weeks of really concentrated summer work. Uh, and so uh, June 6th is eight weeks to the day before uh, August 1st practice starts. So, uh, and he's got the whole plan as to, you know, what it is they're going to do and how they're going to do it. I thought the most interesting thing he told me, this was, and for him as well, he said he had just checked with the equipment guys for the, uh, 
the T-shirt order for uh, for August, you know, from when the team, uh, you know, comes in. And he said, they told me that last year, he said, you're talking like 105, uh, 105 players you're allowed to start with uh, 1st of August. He said, of that number, 65 ordered large T-shirts. The rest were extra large and, and XXL, whatever. He said, I can't believe that. He said, okay, some of those guys wanted them to fit tight. But he said, I told the equipment guys, there is no way we're, <laughs> we're having 65 guys who order just a large. He said, that, he said, I'm thinking maybe 12. He said, we're getting them bigger. He said, we're, we're uh, measuring them. You know, we're, we're doing all the, the measures and you know, measuring their arms, measuring their thighs, measuring you know, all the things. That, that, and he said, our guys are getting bigger. Uh, that need to get bigger. And he said, I don't, I, another good thing I think he said was, uh, don't just come in and tell me you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. He said, you could go out and buy a parrot, sit on your shoulder, and he'll say, oh, way to go, coach. We really like what you're doing. He said, that doesn't cut it. He said, you know what, doesn't, what tells me if you're doing it or you're not doing it? The scales. He said, the scales don't lie. He said, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, whether it's losing or gaining he said the scales are going to tell me and we're you know and you can tell from every player that we've talked to they're pretty much hitting where they're supposed to be the ones that were supposed to be you know losing weight have lost weight the ones that were supposed to gain have gained and um it doesn't seem like uh it, it seemed last year it, it seemed like you know you had porter gustin and cam smith doing one thing and kind of everybody else was sort of on their own. Uh, you don't get that sense. And he said, that's correct. And he said, I'm just here at the right time. These guys, they're embarrassed about last year. They know how badly last year went and it shouldn't have gone that way. And he said, they're kind of in control. It's their job to get this right. And it's their, you know, we're here to help them. But it's their job to make the decision to do all the things they need to do. And he said they really are. He's, he's very impressed with the offensive line, which everybody is, you know, looks at as the number one you know, indicator yeah. of are you getting bigger, stronger, more powerful. And he said he just absolutely said this is a very uh, impressive and athletic group. He said just, you know, what happened to him? He said, I just – Somewhere they got lost last year. So they just there wasn't that intensity, there wasn't that you know focus on on what you needed them to do. But he's been uh, been real impressed, and he's not like a guy who's you know going with the flow. He will tell them if he don't like what they're doing, and uh, he's got them working together as groups. I mean, you know, you're not like if you're. I think they hit a lot of positional kind of work. Uh, uh, under Ivan where, you know, different positions did different kind of drills and different kind of weight work and that. And it looks like 90 to 95% of the weight work is shared where everybody does it. Uh, and there's, you know, five to 10% where they, you know, get to specialty stuff for their position. But, uh, it's a different philosophy. There's no question about it. Is that just because he came in and it's new or is it like now during the summer, he's going to, 
talk with the individual assistant coaches and and kind of get what they want. I mean, because you know, there's differences. He's never been a weight, you know, strength coach for someone that's running the uh, you know, an air raid type of offense. Is that gonna you know, has, has he been working with the coaches on things like that, or is that the plan going forward? That, that it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like they're adjusting all of that much because it's the air raid. He just thinks, you know, you've got to be able to do, you know, the stops and the starts and the change direction. You got to do it, you know, with strength and, and with power. And the, that transfers to, to pretty much everything that, that you need to do other than that, you know, last five to 10%. So I don't get the sense that, that they're saying, Oh, because it's the air raid, we got to do it this way or whatever. I, I think that can probably go go a little bit too far. Uh, now, I, I I would imagine that there might be some things, such say with quarterbacks. Uh, you know, you want them to have strong grips, but you also want them to have the you know the hand eye kind of baseball type hand eye coordination and uh, you know the flexible wrists and and all of that. So. Uh, there is some of that, but um, but I think this is more of a shared. We're all going to get better. We're all going to you know lift more. We're all going to figure out you know how to do it right. And uh, and he's in charge. I think uh, you know very much. And I think they trust it. I, I get the sense that the coaches really uh, you know trust him to get the job done. He's got some interesting assistants. Uh, uh, a guy uh, Alabama uh, football. You know, guy who was, uh, I think, you know, brings in some, he's, you know, real pleased, uh, a, a guy from Southern U, uh, who, a young guy who he thinks is, uh, is going to, you know, do a lot of good. Um, and uh, just uh, another, I think, it was San Jose State. And kind of young guys, and uh, he's real, real pleased with his staff. So, you know, again, the proof will be, uh, you know, August, uh, whatever, 31st or whatever uh, the Fresno State game is, you'll start seeing, um, you know, how this plays out. But uh, the the kids look pretty uh, pretty enthused about, you know, what they're doing. And he's he, – I mean, because we heard stories last year that uh, some of them were enthused and a lot of them just kind of were going through the, the motions. Uh, and I, I don't think there's a, a place where this team can go through the motions – when they're working together, I think you know everybody seems to going to have to be bought in, and the way they're coaching them, the way they're asking them to do what they're asking them to do, and uh, it has a sense of maybe how it was a little bit. I think Aaron's got that whole, you know, he came here when Pete Carroll was here, and with with uh, Chris Carlisle, he's uh, you know worked with Ed Orgeron. Uh, you know, a good bit. So uh, I think you'll see some of that rub off. Uh, one last thing for me. I don't know if you have any Keely, but just on the injury front, any uh, talk about, you know, how they are going to address that. That's always been a criticism, at least from fans on the parasol and stuff on the message boards. Yeah. Uh, did that come you know, up at all? I didn't ask him about that. I, I just think, uh, uh, I think they feel pretty good about where they are with everybody. Uh, I think, you know, like a, a Stephen Carr, they really feel like, you know, he's back. I, I just think they, I don't get the sense that, that there's that real, you know, sense of where is everybody, uh, you know, going to be, and, and you know, when this all works itself out. I just think there's kind of a high, high level of confidence, uh, you know, in terms of, 
of, of everybody being able to be back and be, you know, fully a part of things. I mean, obviously the secondary, again, you know, and some of that's not exactly comes under strength and conditioning. I mean, you know, you get those broken collarbones, like that's just kind of bad, bad luck or bad technique or, or whatever, but it's not really, uh, you know, it's not really strength related. I mean, some of those are injuries where you actually injure yourself. Um, some guys get too strong. I think uh, Port Augustine might be a good example of people that almost get, you know, too strong and a, a little too explosive for their own bodies. Um, so, and I, I don't know what you can do about that in terms of the, you know, strength and conditioning part of it. But uh, you know, I think it's a it's a very positive, you know, kind of feeling about this team in terms of uh, where they're going to be health wise when the season starts. I was curious, were you able to talk with him about how summer workouts are going to go in the sense of we've seen them do morning workouts and then right after go into PRPs and that kind of stunts the PRPs in the sense that they're going to be, they're kind of, sometimes they're a little sluggish just because they're coming off of workouts. Do you know what the timing looks like between workouts? I don't know. And- That's a good question. They're, they're allowed eight hours uh, a week uh, to work with them. Uh, only two the coaches themselves are only allowed two of those eight hours so the coaches are, are allowed two hours the uh the strength and conditioning people are allowed the other six hours and they are going to do um i think they're going to go uh june four days a week an hour and a half this is the official stuff and then in July, they're going to go five, I believe, and go like an hour and 15 minutes or whatever. They're going to get more into a routine of, of almost every day when they get into July. Uh, but, uh, but as far as the PRPs, didn't ask that question. It's a good question to, to ask. I'm not sure, you know, they're obviously, they can't schedule them. They can't, you know, but uh, that'll be interesting to see how that, how they do that, Uh and that's a, a good question. That's a good follow-up question, I think, with with Aaron is, you know, will they will they go in the morning and then PRPs at night, or how are they going to do that? Uh, and will the PRPs? You would think, and that's probably a question when we get with Graham Harrell. You would think the PRPs would be emphasized this year because of the, uh, you know, the uh, emphasis on reps uh, that they can't do too many reps, and and by the summer. These guys are going to be able to run their own practices. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, but uh, in terms of the timing, that's a really good question, and we got to figure that out. All right. Um, that's well, your job, Kelly. you got to find that one out. <laughs> okay, I'll be on it. We're, we'll get it. Uh, well, we do have a little bit of breaking news. Um, yeah, so Matt Fink. So we had some positive or you know one direction transfer portal uh news where it's the first time we saw uh drew richmond the offensive tackle from tennessee is transferring into usc but another player that was in the the transfer portal didn't take him long he wasn't in there very long uh like a week or so matt fink uh we put in the war room that it was likely he was going to take a visit to illinois we put some information in there that lovey smith is actually left some spots open. They did some graduate transfers last year. Uh, they plan to do more of that this year, trying to sort of, uh, you know, instant upgrade, trying to win right now sort of thing. So they actually left some recruiting spots open. They already uh, have Trayvon Sidney uh, from USC and Aliwali Batiku. Now Matt Fink is heading to Illinois as well. So 
Uh, you know, I think it seems like a pretty good spot for him. Their other quarterback actually just entered the transfer portal like that weekend too. Um, so there's no one on the there's no one on the roster that has any kind of experience. Um, he he's probably going to be the, I think he's the most experienced guy they're going to have. Uh, and it it seems like they do a little bit from what I've seen a little bit more of the zone read stuff that he's really good at. So to me, it seems like a pretty good situation for Matt Fink. He's got two years of eligibility left. I'm going to do some Illinois radio a little bit later on today uh, talking about this. But I know, Dan, what were your thoughts when uh, you heard Matt Fink to Illinois? Yeah, I mean, I think they were looking at another possible transfer from a, a Penn State backup quarterback. And, uh, and and Matt, you know, took it first. So, And I think the, the Penn State guy might have also been looking somewhere else and. uh uh, I think the evaluation was that Matt's probably quicker, probably a more natural runner. Uh, the other guy was bigger. Uh, one of the things I thought the, you know, the Illinois site did was they basically took all of Matt's highlights uh, from the, uh, the Utah game when he got a lot of, you know, you know, run uh, and this year, and then the Oregon State game where he had the touchdown run, and you put those together. And you just put, you know, his, 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 you know, good plays. I think he was 13 of 18 uh, passing in his career at USC. Uh, and you put that together and you go, wow, okay, this is, uh, this could work. And, and I think there's certainly, it, look, I get the sense that Illinois thinks he's going, he's going to be the starting quarterback in September. So, you know, and he's got two years of eligibility. So uh, they've got some, I guess, young guys who they just don't think are ready at all. So it could be a really good spot for, uh, for Matt, even though he wasn't there in the spring. Uh, that'd be great to see him, you know, get that kind of a shot. And uh, he's got the athleticism and he might be able to run away from some of those uh, big 10 defenses uh, that, that he's just you know, big enough and quick enough and, uh, and knows what he's uh, knows what he's doing and if they limit the uh, the passing game to the kinds of things that you know he really feels comfortable doing and, and throwing, um, he, this could be a really good situation for him. And if I'm Illinois, I mean, and you your theory is we wanted to save a bunch of spots for um, uh, transfer portal guys, and then you get these transfer portal guys, you really want to give them a chance to play. I would think to say, hey, this is our way to to get there a little quicker than, uh, than we would have normally. Uh, and so I would think he's going to get a really fair shot and a really good opportunity, uh, you know, to take over that program. And he is a natural leader. And, you know, uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. I'm really, I think everybody's really happy uh, for Matt to get this opportunity. You talked about uh, playing to his strengths. I think, you know, if you're running zone read stuff, um, you know, I think that would work. And it was funny. Yeah, it was great to see that Illinois 24-7 sports article. They put a lot of uh, little quick video clips of, of Fink in action, which I believe was from the Utah game when JT Daniels got hurt. Uh, and then he was going to start the next game against Arizona State, but then he got hurt. Um, but what, what would you say for the passing game, like Matt Fink's strengths are? I think the quick stuff, the quick slants, uh, uh, the quick rolls where uh, he's got that little pass uh, run option. You know, I think anything with a you know quick with the pass run option. Um, uh, I think he's a little more right-handed than, uh, uh, but he did you know he did make some plays uh, you know coming left. But uh, uh, yeah, I think all the quick stuff. Now 
and they showed the one play uh, where he did throw the ball 50 yards, and uh, but they really have to work on that, I think, uh, just to to get that you know the kind of accuracy you need on the on those deep balls. He's never really uh, you know displayed that, but uh, but I think in the offense that they run, I think what he does uh, you know can be pretty uh, pretty successful if they've got. And they're going to have, you know, I guess we're not sure. Is Trevon uh, going to be eligible? Is he getting uh, his degree or not? I don't, I don't know that we know that for certain. Uh, and we don't know where, you know, like a Josh or Modern Baby, where is he going? Uh, are those guys going to be able to, you know, will he be able to bring some more of his own receivers with him? You know, how many more spots does Illinois have open? Because uh, I don't know what kind of, you know, receivers Illinois has right now. But, uh but you put him with the right, I think, right group of receivers, uh, and you look at, you know, what he was able to do, say, against Utah. Uh, that's, uh, I think, that works in the Big Ten. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. If they, uh, they seem to think their offense is compatible with uh, his strengths, so uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's it for the topics, Keely. Do we want to jump into some? questions from the sure, fans let's do it we have two questions from steve in poway first off he says looking at the recruiting picture for next year i know it's very early but is it too early to expect more than only three commitments for the 2020 class most of the other teams in the top 25 have at least 10 or 12 yeah it's too early i think yeah next year totally is dependent on how the team does on the field do they bounce back uh who the you know what the staff is looking like and all of that. I think uh, I think it would be futile on everybody's part in a lot of ways. Other than you know I think getting you know the quarterback lined up was an absolute mess. Uh, the way the quarterback situation was in Southern California, obviously. But other than that, I don't I don't know that that you make that big push right now. Uh, you just try to stay as close to them as possible and. Have them get to know, you know, all the new people at USC, and uh, you know, get everybody, you know, feeling like we've got it turned around or going in the right direction, all of that kind of thing. But I think next year's recruiting class is is just totally determined by uh, how how the team plays in the fall. Now, you've got six games that first half of the season, you know, that are going to determine so much of that. And will I think make the decision for how you recruit? Uh, you, 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 they've got to get a you know a big start. Uh, there's, there's no question. They get a big start, and uh, I think it, it, it will go hand in hand with the recruiting. Uh, and there's just no way around that. It, it, they all go together. I don't think the recruiting can get out ahead of of uh, the results on the field this fall after what happened last fall. There's got to be a turnaround. There's got to be, wow, that they got it figured out now. This is, I want to go there. Uh, that has to happen, I think, first, and then the recruiting follows. I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think having a Bryce Young in the class as a quarterback, a five-star quarterback, I think that's important, and he can be out there recruiting. But I feel like it is more of a wait and see sort of thing. And the, you know, the. The further away we get from what it was like during the football season, if you forget, if you forgot, um, there was, you know, 
Lin Swan, Clay Helton were not very popular figures. And if you put either one of their picture up on the, the, you know, the, the video board at the Coliseum, people were going to boo. Um, I think there's some of that still there and they know if they put up something on social media, they're still angry USC fans that don't like the direction that things are going. So it's almost like from USC's point of view, you sort of have to wait and you want to come out of the gate and just start smashing some people. And, you know, the people talking about Fresno State being an upset or blah, blah, blah. Well, you go out there and just hammer them. And then you're like, hey, now you have something to, you know, hey, we, we made all these changes in the offseason. There was positivity. But you saw it. You saw us go out to take a 12-win Fresno State team and take them to the woodshed. And then you start to bring some people around. I think you can get more positive buzz on the recruiting cycle and all of that. But you have to start out strong if you go out of the gate and stub your toe and still look discombobulated as a team i just don't know if there's going to be a way uh to recover you know like a 2016 one and three start i I mean i guess there's that the potential but it just seems like at this point you have to get a good start if you want to get the recruiting stuff going if you want to win the fans back over because if you don't if you start off slow it's going to be an empty brand new you know, renovated Coliseum. And I don't think Clay Helton or anyone can afford that. So I, I agree with Dan. I think you, it, the season's going to have a big determination of how good this recruiting class ends up. If they pick up some good commitments between now and the start of the season, I think a lot of that will be helped by, you know, Bryce Young being part of the class. Yeah. And if you get off to a bad start, then you go to plan B, which is, um, I think Urban Meyer might be, you know, and, and then, so that then becomes a whole different kind of late recruiting close or, or whatever. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think, it, I just think you can't even begin to, you know, you just, I think the coaches are, are basically introducing themselves, all the new guys and, and getting familiar. And, you know, you talk about the kids and, and how much you like what they're doing and, you know, the, you know, the kids you're recruiting and, uh, and you just uh, say, watch us in the fall. You know, you're going to want to be part of this program. And I, one of the best pieces of news last week, you know, a lot of the you know, top 25, pre- you know, way too early top 25s are coming out. And I thought the best piece of news, and I haven't uh, have written this yet, but that Stuart Mandel included Fresno State in his top 25 preseason. He had them number 25. Now, I probably wouldn't put them there i think you know they've done a great job i really like you know the way everything they've done about them but they lost a lot of guys and they had a lot of you know fourth and fifth year guys and um and so i wouldn't but i think it's great i think you want them to be ranked in that opening game uh you want everybody to be as high as you know stanford in the second game you want them to be you know ranked as high as they could possibly be ranked and all that so uh and I know they open at Northwestern, so they got a you know a couple of uh, you know tough games. Uh, or I guess they have Northwestern at home, but then they got USC. Then they go to where Central Florida. I mean, they got a they got a tough way to go. So, uh, but you want those teams to be coming in uh, as, you know as highly ranked as as possible. And uh, so uh, let's just. You know, hope that uh, Fresno can make the top twenty-five. So that that make the uh, the opener. Uh, heck of a lot more interesting. Yeah. We also have a second question from Steve. He says, also, what are the top three position groups that need the most attention in recruiting next year? 
Um, I'll, I'll do a real quick one, Dan, and get your thoughts. So if you look at U.S., we do our scholarship distribution chart and usually look where are there are a lot of upperclassmen. They're just not for next year. There's only nine, and that's including Drew Richmond, the graduate transfer. Probably the offensive line because there are, you know, three seniors, um, you know, and a bunch of guys on the junior class. So I think you have to bring in some guys uh, on the offensive line. There's not a lot of running backs. I think, you know, you could probably address, uh, you know, that as well. You might need, uh, you know, a couple of wide receivers with Pittman going and potentially, you know, Tyler Vaughn's leaving. Uh, but there's a lot, you know, a lot of freshmen on the roster. There's The problem is there's a lot of freshmen on a lot of the different uh, on the roster. Maybe defensive end, another pass rusher, kind of, you know, a couple guys there. Uh, but there's just not a lot of upperclassmen and it's not going to be a big recruiting class. So it's going to be, it'll be a little bit different feel than what we've seen in years past. I don't know what your thoughts are, Dan. I think I, I completely agree. Uh, and I, I, I don't think we know, for example, on the defensive line, there are some third-year guys who might be able to make the jump if they have the kind of year this year that we think they're capable of having. Will they? I don't know. That didn't show up at all last year. I mean, none of them had that, that kind of year. Uh, and so, you know, you may be having to think about replacing – one of those guys that you might think, well, I'm going to have him, you know, we'll have him for four years and maybe, you know, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll be lucky like Clemson and you will get him to, to stay those uh, four years or Alabama, whatever. Uh, maybe some of that will, you know, catch on uh, uh, on the West Coast. But I think you got to be ready uh, to, to, to think about will somebody else go out early that certainly doesn't look like maybe right now that, you know, that they'll go out early. But, uh but yeah, it's a, it's kind of an amazing uh, that that the class just has the nine guys that you know for sure are going to leave. That that's uh, uh, it's more bottom heavy than 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 you realize. It's and there are a lot of guys coming in next year, a lot of freshmen, who I just don't think we know how they're going to play, how how they're going to fit in. Where you know, and until you know that, you also might not know where you're going to have to, I mean, you would think like with uh, uh, the secondary, there's just a ton of bodies once you get, you know, you go from almost nobody in the spring to uh, just a a whole heck of a lot of guys in the fall. Uh, But how does that all play out? I don't, I don't think we know at all. So so I think a lot of that's going to be that kind of stay tuned uh, in terms of, uh, you know, where, where are you going to need that absolute help that you need to come in right away? Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, we have a, a, a interesting submission by Troy Trojan. Okay. He says, Dan, we know, I know, Ryan, Keeley, Chris, Water Pistol, which I think he means shotgun, <laughs> and all those interns yeah. know 2019 is a lost cause. Helson will be gone during or after the season. No coach in history has ever been this close to a guillotine and survived. Talking about 2019 is just wasting time. So my question is regarding the aftermath starting in 2020. I have no doubt SC will get back to, quoting Aaron Osmus, ass kicking for the next next decade. But for some reason, I feel the the rebuild is going to look different and take longer than in times past. In your opinion, how long do you realistically think SC will take to get back? Washington's a power now. The Southern California High School pipeline might not even have football in 10 years. SC admin is in chaos, and Larry, Larry Scott is trying to turn this conference into an AYSO soccer league. We're, 
where everyone gets a participation trophy. Five years, seven years, what do you honestly think? Thanks, Troy Trojan. Wow. Glass half full kind of guy. Does he really pay? Uh, Hopefully, Troy, you don't pay uh, the $10 a month or whatever it is. uh, Because, uh, I mean, I don't know that, I don't understand. I I would just say this. If you can't see a way out uh, where you are now, uh, I'm not sure that's how sports is supposed to be. I think with sports, your job is to figure out a way out. Your job is to figure out how do we compete under these circumstances. I'll go back to Dr. Bartner. He had no ability in a lot of ways to compete. He was at USC. That was it. He had nothing going for him. He didn't have any money. He didn't have any guys that could play in the band. He didn't have almost anything. Look what he did. I mean, you just got to turn it around. You've got to figure out, you know, what you're going to do. Like As he said, he figured out, he looked at that first budget and said, whoa, I got to be my own fundraiser. Whoa, I got to get control of the scholarships. Whoa, I got to do this. I got to do that. Uh, I think USC has done a lot of things that are moving them in the right direction right now. Whether, whatever you think about, you know, Lynn Swan and, and Clay Helton and what have you, uh, these, the new coaches, I think, have worked really well. I thought spring practice went well. I think the talent is there to be pretty competitive next year. Uh, I, you know, from what they did in the uh, 15 practices in the spring, they did the right things. They did them the right way. Uh, they put themselves in position to get better every day, um, to put themselves in a place where they can absolutely compete, uh, in, you know, in the first half of next year. Now, let's say they do come back and their talent is probably better than everybody they play except, uh, uh, you know, except Notre Dame, where, you know, you're going to flip a coin. Uh, you can make the case that USC has better talent, but, uh, but even if you call that even, uh, you know, Washington doesn't have better talent. Sure, they had, you know, eight guys drafted to USC's four, but that wasn't because they, you know, they recruited better or they brought better players in. They had better players, at, you know, at the end of their careers than, than USC did. A lot of the USC talent didn't make it to the end of their careers here. Uh, so have there been, you know, all kinds of problems at USC? Absolutely. Um, but that doesn't mean you're locked into those things. And, uh, we'll see if USC does have that competitive gene where they just say, no, we're going to fight our way out of this. We're going to do all the things we need to do. We're going to work in the weight room, going to work in the summer. We're going to, you know, everybody support everybody else. We're going to, you know, we're going to get our weight where we need it to be. And we're going to get our toughness up and our physicality and all of those things. I think they're moving in the right direction. Is that a, is there enough movement there? Does it work with Clay kind of removing himself from sort of the you know the day to day kind of you know strategic and maybe personnel decisions and and and, and sort of becomes the uh, you know the overall guy up in the tower who lets his coaches do the coaching and 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 can his coaches step up and do the coaching. Um, you know, I don't think we, we, I don't think we can possibly know that there's no hope. I don't, I, I, I mean, I don't think there's ever, if you're at USC, I don't think there's ever no hope. Uh, I just think that that's like a non USC way to, to look at it. And 
We'll, we'll agree. You know, Ryan and I have our differences with John Baxter, for example, at times. <laughs> but he's correct when he says USC has the best uh, uh, motto, the best, you know, fight song with fight on. That nobody, he said that's the one thing when he went to Michigan, how much he, he missed. He thought nothing says it better than fight on. And that's what USC is supposed to do. And that's what, when they do that, there's so much going for you if you're at USC. that if you fight on in the right way, you have a chance. So I think they've got a chance. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't agree with, uh, you know, gloom and doom, uh, you know, for next fall. But I never do. I, I always think there is a way that you can figure out how to make this work. And it always worked. I mean, as we look back the last decade, <clears throat> uh, doesn't always work. And maybe it could have, but it didn't. Uh, there are no guarantees. But, uh, but I think right now they've got a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think, is there, is there a chance that USC wins the national championship? Probably not. I don't think that's happening. But, I mean, the team could win 10 or 11 games based on talent alone and, you know, improved coaching. I know there's some USC fans that just don't want to even think about that because they just want, like Troy Trojan, they just want a new head coach. So they just can't fathom. But this same head coach did do things with special players like Sam Darnold and, you know, what a Rose Bowl and won the Pac-12. It's not out of the realm of possibility to bounce back and do something similar to that again because, like Dan mentioned, they're going to be the most talented team on the field most of the time this year. So you have that, you can always win games. So yeah, Troy Trojan, I mean, I, I, it's hard to uh, share your pessimism there. Like certainly things could turn south again and they could look terrible and not do well. I mean, that's it's certainly possible, but it's not impossible that they play well and, and do pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it was just the year before last that, USC went into the championship game in the Pac-12 with people trying to make the case for how USC could get into the playoffs. I mean, there wasn't a case really to be made, but people like Larry Scott were trying to make the case after, you know, sabotaging and sending them to Pullman, Washington on a Friday night in a short week uh, when they're, you know, injured. Uh, but uh, uh, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it, they were, you know, Two years ago, they were the talk of the you know football world with the uh, with the Penn State win in the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, it isn't like you know they had a, a decade of, of downfall. Last year was awful. It was just that UCLA game alone gave you a decade worth of, of you know uh, I can't even describe how bad <clears throat> that effort was or that lack of effort. Uh, you know the game that was going to put you in a bowl game or not. And they couldn't show up and, and even play a little bit and get pushed around by a two-win team. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes wrong. I mean, and they they would make the case that oh we lost five of our last six, but by only 31 points. And you want to say you should have probably won four of those. Uh, so you know don't don't that's not a good thing to say oh we were close. We're close against. Bad teams. Yeah, close against bad teams is not something to put, you know. teams that beat you in the Coliseum, you know, Arizona State and Cal, for God's sake. That's not an accomplishment. 
So, yeah, did bad stuff happen? Boy, absolutely. Are they doing better stuff? Yeah. You know, I think they've got a chance. They're in the Pac-12. This is what people forget. You can make fun of the Pac-12 all you want. That's where you want to be. I mean, if you're coming back, you're in the Pac-12. You ought to win those games. You're USC. So we shall see. But uh, they got a chance. So, Ryan, Troy, Troy Trojan didn't speak for you when he said Ryan knows? Ryan. No, Troy Trojan. You said, <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, it's like if you're going to be pessimistic just for the sake of being like, there's some people that just can't fathom, like, there's no way Clay Helton can win games. He's so terrible. But it's like, well, he already has. And they're still be- they still have better players than everybody or most everybody. It's it's certainly possible. You know, I know people don't want to hear that, but that's you know, they looked way better in the spring. So this is so sorry, Troy Chojin, I can't I can't uh go with you there. <laughs> we have a question from Dan, class of nineteen sixty two. He says it's not a coincidence that Pete Carroll and the GM for the Seahawks did not sign any Trojans in this draft, no selections and no signees. In past years, Pete would always sign Trojans like Trey Madden, McCoy, Smith, and even Mike Williams. This has to be a sign that Pete does not feel that USC players are being developed. They selected Rasheem Green last year, but that was the exception and not the rule because Rasheem was a freak of of a defensive line athlete. The current coaching staff appears to be better, but I will wait until the end of the season to see if Pete goes back to signing Trojans. If he does, then USC has coaches that are respected. Unfortunately, the weak links on the current coaching staff appear to be Clancy Pendergast and John Baxter, but I hope that I am wrong. What is your assessment of the position coaches? Fight on, Dan, class of 1962. Hey, Dan, real quick before that. Um, for Pete Carroll, he had he had needed a safety when he first got to Seattle, and Taylor Mays was available, his dude, and he didn't pick Taylor Mays. He, what was it? Uh, oh. Who was it? Uh, I forget the guy's name from Texas or whatever. But The Texas guy, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I can't think. Yeah, they so took it's Texas. Like, that wasn't just that was his development. <laughs> that was his recruit. So uh, it's not just. I mean, Touché. that's really hard to say. Like, oh, he's not going to pick up USC players or not. Like, no, he's going. His job is to win NFL games, and you pick up whoever's best. It doesn't. Who cares what school they went to? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just what are the athletes like? And Rasheem Green was an athlete. He looked like an athlete. Uh, you know, I think they thought, okay, we can develop this guy. He's really an athlete. Uh, <clears throat> USC didn't have any of those this time. You know, and we can all say the development didn't happen because the development didn't happen, no question about it. But they didn't have the kind of athletes that, that maybe you could see, wow, there's a real you know, future ahead. They didn't have a Uchenna Nwusu, for example. Uh, I think Pete would have taken Uchenna if he'd have gotten a chance, uh, you know, it just—it was one of those years where <clears throat> I think they could be fairly uh, pleased that they got four, uh, you know, four drafted. Because, uh, like, I mean, Notre Dame had six and USC had four. Four wasn't that bad, uh, you know, for this team. And, and you had Port Augustine with the, you know, the two issues that that he had that that it probably kept him, you know, out out of it, but. Uh, uh, did they look as physical as they could have? No. Have they, you know, been on a kind of a downward slide a little bit physically? Yeah. Um, do they need to pick that up? Yeah, absolutely. Do they need to pick up speed and, you know, explosive strength? Yes, absolutely. Um, does this team have a chance to, to be that 
I think they've got a chance to be have more of those guys um, like that. But but I I think I don't know that the NFL is drafting on uh, on developed talent. I think they're drafting you know on athleticism a lot. A lot of it's athleticism. I think, for example, Cam Smith I think was pretty developed uh, and got you know the most out of out of his ability and and where he was and. You know, you 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 just kind of run into this is how much athleticism you've got, and this is how much physicality you've got, <clears throat> and the development you know can fill that in, but it can't take the place of it. And uh, you know the guys that ended up at the end of their careers last year at USC just weren't all that athletic, and it's there's a whole different level of athleticism I think uh, the next two classes. Uh, so. I think things might be different, even if um, they don't have the kind of development that you'd like to see. I think they'll still be looked at more favorably, just because of of their uh, you know increased uh, you know athleticism, because it, it's going to be there. Yeah, uh, Earl Thomas was that safety that I couldn't remember. Earl Thomas, uh, I was Earl. Came. I couldn't. I was Earl. I could remember Earl. I couldn't remember Thomas. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, we have a voicemail question for you, Dan. Here you go. Hey guys, I have a question for all three of you, Dan Keeley and Ryan. What was the thing that stood out the most to you guys about this year's spring practice? Fight on, chasing along the country. Well, I just think they knew what they were doing. They knew how they were doing it. They did it full speed. They did it uh, with, they were having fun doing it. They didn't, I mean, uh, the fact that they kept doing what they were doing over and over and over again and repping it and repping it and repping it. They didn't get bored. They were having fun going full speed and getting better. I mean, obviously the focus is on the offense, but the way it works is the defense is going along with them. I mean, so uh, that ability to play fast and, and interchange and, uh, and get everybody a ton of reps and, that all went together. I mean, I think it was all of a, of a one piece kind of a thing that in doing new stuff, it didn't look like new stuff. It it didn't look, I mean, they looked far more competent in terms of understanding what they were trying to do than they did, uh, you know, the last couple of years, which often, you know, came down to, you know, Sam Donald finding out where, um, uh, Deontay, you know, Burnett ended up something like that. But, uh, I just think they looked more like a team. They were more like they were having fun. They were more together, and they were really trying to to get better every day. And and that's the thing that you know, the thing that that I think you took out of out of fall. And they didn't make any excuses. They didn't back off because of oh we don't have anybody in the secondary that's healthy or whatever. They just they kept playing. Um, so that kind of be my my take uh, of where they went in the spring. What about you, Keely? I thought you were going to go next. I want to uh, see the field before I answer. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think just me being able to come out of it with a feeling pretty good, like feeling more positive, I, I didn't think that was even going to be possible going into the spring. But they just looked like it looked like it was a well-coached team. And I don't think we could have said that uh, many times over the last couple of years. And, and the simple you know, the simplicity of the offense and, and just Graham Harrell was a breath of fresh air for me where you're telling a guy like JT Daniels 
to not overthink things. Don't worry about knowing what everyone on the field is doing. Just get out there and, you know, throw to the open guy, receiver, run to grass. Like there was just, it's just kind of stuff that was like, oh, that, that, that kind of makes sense, you know? Um, so yeah, to me, it just coming out of it feeling positive because it just felt like you're watching from the outside. And like, if you're, you want a food analogy, <laughs> you know, some of those restaurants where they have, uh, the glass into the, the kitchen and you can kind of see what's going on in there. And we get to watch practice. So we kind of see what's going on. And I think the last couple of years, you'd look back there and sometimes you get a pretty good meal, but you look back there and there are people disorganized and they're like, people are dropping food on the ground and just, you know, things are catching on fire, but like sometimes it still works out. Okay. But it just wasn't great. Now you look back there and it just looks like, Oh, tickets are coming on time. They're expediting this, go in there, that and everyone just seems to be mesh. It just looks like from watching it, like, Oh, these people seem to know what they're doing a little bit better. Now, is the food going to come out and it's going to be awesome? Or is it still going to be sort of a, yeah, maybe good sometimes, but just looking into that glass, it just seems like it's better run. See, I don't really have a, a great analogy to follow that up. So <laughs> you, I, I'm, I know he asked for one. I think it's a smorgasbord for me. Uh, kind of what Dan said, they just seem to have more fun and not in the sense that Sometimes they can goof off too much, and we've seen that in prior teams, but fun in the sense that they're competitive and playing football at a fast pace, a tough pace, and having fun while doing it. Because sometimes, you know, when you're going to have a 5-7 and seven season, it was rough towards the end. They practiced like they didn't want to be there, you know, and this was different. They wanted to be there. They liked what they were doing, and they liked being competitive at it. Um, and I think the Graham Harrell factor was also really impressive too. Um, having a scheme, having run it well, have, seeing him go up to the baseball field and and or the yeah. top of Dado and and call the place that was impressive too. So having someone like Graham who has experience and and is calling the shots was impressive. Uh, the physicality I thought the last practice of the of the spring was their best. Um, and if that had been all fifteen, that would have been really. Uh, impressive and but i still think the increased physicality was impressive too um there's one more that i was gonna say but i forgot but it's a whole mix of things okay. that was, yeah oh oh the, the there's more discipline you know i oh, yeah. i was skeptical coming in because sometimes when clay has has made things an objective um we don't really see the fruition of such but i i thought they did pretty well of limiting penalties having more discipline and and if players were out of line, Clay chewed him out a little bit, and I think that was needed. So having that discipline was good as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, sorry. I think that question was from last week. We forgot to play it last week. So Yeah, sorry, Jason. My bad. My bad, Jason, but uh, we got to you this week. <laughs> we have one final question from Dan, class of 1962. He says, as an old Trojan who is turning 80 this month. Wow. Con- congratulations, Dan. Happy early birthday, Dan. Dr. Bartner's age, I believe. Like really? Well, wow. he took over when he was 30, and that was like wow, almost true. 50 years ago. So he's, he's 79 or going to be 80 or something. So they're close. All right. Yeah, he says, I was bothered by Dan's comment in the last podcast that it may take over five years to replace Larry Scott and get a competent administrator for the Pac-12. So my question for Dan, who has terrific knowledge of the other conferences, if Larry Scott were replaced this year, my wishful thinking, he says, who would you recommend for the position? Fight on. You know, the guy I've always really liked, and I think he was kind of in the picture last time, uh, is Dave Baker. Ah. Uh, and I think it was always a problem because he was identified, his son was Sam Baker, three, you know, one of USC's only two, uh, three-time All-Americans, offensive tackle. 
And Dave had been the mayor of Irvine, California, and a lawyer who had done wonderful things with Irvine. He's the guy that uh, saved the uh, uh, Arena Football League team uh, for Orange County. And I still remember he was, you know, he put together uh, something to to keep them, uh, you know, in Anaheim. And I remember he went to the first Arena Football League uh, (coughs) meetings. And he was talking about what he would like to see for his team and for the league. And the, all the you know people that ran the league uh, asked him if he would step out of the room for a little bit. And he did. And then he came back in and they said, would you be president of the league? And he, <laughs> he became president of the league. He negotiated wonderful television contracts that kept the league going and He's just the mo- and now he's he runs the uh, NFL uh, you know Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, and he's done a marvelous job there. And he just he's as as positive and as smart and as uh, you know guy that he's done television. He he knows people. He you know he's not afraid to talk to everybody and anybody and and anybody can talk to him. He'd be so different. And I know at the time. People are always afraid of, oh, USC is going to take over and USC is going to do this. And, you know, they should have been so lucky, you know, to have somebody like that, you know, take over. But, but that's kind of where I would go. I, I would take a look at somebody like, uh, like Dave Baker, who's done national TV, done national sports, uh, but he has a way with people and an openness about him. Um, and, you know, just, uh, uh, that would I'd, I'd absolutely take a look at him, uh, but then I might take a look at him for other jobs as well that they may be open. Uh, <laughs> he's really uh, he's somebody that that I just can't say enough good things about. I'm just really impressed with uh, with Dave Baker. Yeah, I think a change needs to be made. I have no idea about. I haven't looked at replacements or anybody, but yeah, Dave Dave's awesome, and he'd be the biggest commissioner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's he's enormous. He's a g- giant man, like the nicest guy, just but an absolute giant. Yeah, I mean, his son was a three-time All-American offensive tackle, and yeah. he, he 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 dwarfed. He towered over his son. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've seen the so, pictures. Yeah. He was a he was a basketball player in college, which <laughs> is kind of amazing. Uh, but uh, he's just uh, he would be. I, I would start with him. I know people were saying that. You know, the, the um, Big Ten is now lining up people to replace uh, Jim Delaney. And they had, a, like, a, the list I saw was like a dozen people and really good people. And there are a, a number of those people. One of them, I think, was the, the Northwestern Athletic Director, who who has done such a marvelous job at Northwestern. And there was always some thought that would he be, a, uh, you know, a guy if USC ever needs somebody uh, to take a look at, you know, at his direction. But, uh, but I would take a look at, you know, the uh, list that the Big Ten is assembling right now and see where, where that goes, because I think they're going to maybe uh, Delaney might be retiring within another year or so. And uh, there are going to be some, you know, pretty good people on that list. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but I'd go off the beaten path. I wouldn't go with just the, the regular list uh, with uh, with a, a, a look at Dave Baker. I just uh, I can't say it enough. Yeah. Get far away from Larry Scott and that ilk as you can. Oof. Move on. Uh, what else we got, Keely? That is it. 
We're done. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting show. Uh, we had some cool conversations at USC yesterday, Dan and I did. So that was some topics, but we're going to need some more topics, people. So get in there. Voicemails. We've been lacking on the voicemails. Yeah, some more voicemails. Where's uh, Curtis in Marino Valley? Yeah, where's our boy Curtis? You know, call in. Let us know what you, what's going on. Um, we got Tunnel Vision coming up uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I didn't really get a guest this time, but we had we had India last week, so mm-hmm. that was that was fun. Uh, we all went to dinner afterwards and stuff. That was cool. But yeah, you know, whatever topics you want to discuss, transfer portal, blah blah blah. Hypotheticals, position battles. Whatever, yeah, whatever we, you fancy. We could do a lot of different stuff, but. Um, Dan, thanks for uh, coming on. Enjoyed it very much. Keely, thank you for coming in the studio. Thank you, thank you. And uh, yeah, thank everyone out there for listening to our little show, the Peristyle Podcast. Again, thanks to Trader Joe's. Hope you get to listen to the Dr. Bartner podcast. It was a lot of fun to uh, record that and uh, put that up. So hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.